This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we would agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast uh, once again today. Greg Snow joining us uh, on the telephone as he's getting ready for another big day uh, there in Minnesota. I'm still in North Dakota for much of this week. And, and and uh, Greg, well, uh, we now know who the final four teams are for the NBA playoffs, uh, a seven seed and an eight seed, uh, both advance. Uh, not as surprising, I don't think, that the Lakers advanced. I'm a little more surprised that here are the Heat in the conference finals, despite being the eight seed. I guess I didn't see that coming. I'm not surprised that Denver is there, uh, you know, as the top seed, and then the Celtics took care of the Sixers. It kind of rolled over and played dead. Uh, the Suns, they fire their coach immediately after they were eliminated. What do you think about the Final Four in the NBA playoffs, Greg? Well, I, you know, the NBA has typically been a, um, you know, you get to the favorites, even though you have all these storylines and you have all these games. It, it traditionally has come down to top three or four seeds that are always in the Final Four. Yeah. Well, this year's a little bit different, and I think it's because the Lakers were just off to that terrible start in the season and have obviously been playing some of their best basketball. And somehow the the cohesiveness works on that team. They, they've somewhat figured out, and this Austin Reeves is playing out of his mind. And so, uh, so again, it, it makes for a good team. But the Jimmy Butler thing is intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, you know, again, he's pinned as uh, not, not a great leader, you know, because of the things he did here or in Chicago and in Minnesota. And then he brings this, I hate to say ragtag, but they've had injuries, Todd. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Hero's been out. They, they and they've just lost some guys to you know, and and still have found a way to make this happen. And and really, are kind of rolling through guys despite losing their first play-in game. They were almost outed early. They yeah. had to win the second play-in game to get, you know, to to even move on. So, uh, it, it's compelling stuff for those of us who love the NBA. If you don't love the NBA, yeah, you probably don't care, but. Boy, the Monty Williams thing, Todd. I am just, I mean, how do you put this on him? Durant was out a bunch of the, uh, a bunch of the year, um, even after the trade. I, there must have been an argument in that locker room or up in that GM office. That's all I can think, because it was, it, they made it sound like it was parting ways. Like we're both deciding to do this rather yeah. than it just being a firing, but. Man, I don't know what to make of it, Todd. I is the NBA. Well, that, I mean, Doc Rivers is almost next. It sounds like. Yeah, uh, and I wouldn't blame him for doing that. He can't get him out of the second round of the playoffs with the talent that they have. You know, the the Monty Williams thing. It is a new owner there in Phoenix. He took over. True. A few yep. months ago, so it's not his guy. So it's a little easier to understand that you know this Ishbia who took a charge from Nikola Jokic and did a good job uh, getting a technical fall on him. It but was a flop. Uh, <laughs> it was a flop, but he got the call. So what do you want? Who cares? Uh, so uh, I think that plays a big role in it. Uh, Stephen A. Smith went off on DeAndre Ayton saying he's the reason that Monty Williams got fired is because he's a stiff in the playoffs and he doesn't do anything, and that's why Monty Williams got fired. But, you know, I really think it has uh, in large part uh, to do with a new ownership, and he kind of just wants his own guy in there. And for Doc Rivers, you know, sure, he won as the Celtics coach when they had the big three with KG and and Paul Pierce, and uh, who was the third of the big three uh, there with the Celtics. 
Uh, Ray Allen. Ray Allen. Uh, yeah, he won with a loaded lineup, won a championship, but what's he won other than that? Nothing that I can see. So, uh, I mean, in terms of championships or anything, or even getting to the finals. So I'm, I guess I'm, I'm not that really that surprised. They didn't anticipate going out. Uh, the ownership looks at that blowout in Game 7 and has to say he didn't have our guys ready to play. Uh, sure, it's on the players more than it is the coach. Nonetheless, it's the coach's job to have them ready to play uh, a game seven, and they weren't. I mean, the Celtics, I think they were up 16-5 to five or something like that to open the game, and they never looked back. It was never a game. Uh, and, you know, part of that has to lay at the head of the coach. Well, and that's a good point. I mean, you can't – we've always said you can't fire the players. Yep. So you got something else to shake it up. And, uh, again, Chris Paul and Andre Aiton out in game six. Well, Chris Paul was out almost the entire series. But those two guys being out, they were major minute guys throughout yep. the year. Yep. So when you take them out of the lineup, they didn't have much of a chance. And then, and then who would have ever thought that Jason Tatum would do what he did? Yeah. I mean, he he was unconscious. He was hitting step back threes. Uh, Abid was right on him when they'd make they'd force the switch and have Joel guarding him and uh, he'd do those step back threes. And you could feel even at halftime when it was I think it was a three point game at halftime. Todd is they yeah. they had come back the Sixers. Yeah. You could still feel like Boston ain't going to lose this. No, you know I never that, felt like the game was in jeopardy. Yeah, did you, I mean it wasn't it crazy. It was like no, this is. And of course we got the we had to switch over early because the Twins were routing out the Cubs. So right. we didn't have to watch that. You know, so it was like okay, let's see what the NBA playoffs are doing. Right, and that's when I saw Tatum just doing his thing, and it was it was epic. So yeah, yeah I I got Denver and Celtics in the final. I think the Laker magic is going to wear off, um, but but I don't know that, right? I mean, that's why it's going to be intriguing series. And the Jimmy Butler thing still, I don't even know what to think about it. I, I dislike the guy for what he did to our franchise, but mm. you, you, you have to kind of tip your hat to he gets some guys to play hard and look what you got. I'm glad you circled back to Jimmy Butler and, and a reference to his time with the Timberwolves, which was short, uh, you know, one season plus a, a little bit of a failure. That's on Tom Thibodeau as much as anything. And what Butler was doing when he was with the Timberwolves is he played with them for a full year. You know, we didn't hear any problems that first year. Remember, they, they, they got into the play-in at the end. So Butler, I mean, it's not like he blew it up right away. He gave the Timberwolves a chance. And then he looked around and he saw that Carl Anthony Towns was the star player and Butler did not deem him a winning player. He didn't look right. at Towns and say, this is a guy I can win a championship with. Before he, remember when the Timberwolves traded for him, he was fired up, ready to go. Remember, he gave his cell phone out in a public interview and, and said, give me a call, I'll tell you what's going on. And, and uh, you know, got a lot of, pot of positive publicity for that. But after spending a full year in the Timberwolves organization, in his mind, he looked at it and said, I can't win here. I have to get out of here. So that isn't so much on Butler as it is another condemnation of the Timberwolves. Well, I yeah, no. I mean, come on, Todd. Butler blew that thing up. He might have been he did. right about But look, he, he, wants to, he wants to control his own career, right? Yeah. So if I was in his shoes... Uh, you know, I might have said, look, I can't win here. You told me I could win here. I look around at this roster. I now know how soft Carl Anthony Towns really is and uh, who I forget who the star other other star was. Wh with the, Wiggins. Wiggins. He looked at Towns and Wiggins and said, there's no winning going to be done here. Not because these guys don't have talent, but because they aren't tough mentally. They're weak. 
They're soft. So I need out of here. So do I like what Jimmy Butler did as a Timberwolves fan? No. Do I understand it? And is it, yeah, saying a lot about the Timberwolves themselves and Towns in particular? Yeah, I guess I kind of understand that as well. The guy was, you know, already in his early 30s when he got to the Timberwolves. He did not want to spend any more time with organizations that didn't have a chance to win. That's why he forced his way out of Chicago. He saw the same thing there. Now, a lot of people don't like that the players run the league in the NBA, that they can demand trades and then pretty much have it happen because they can blow up a roster and a a franchise, basically, by acting poorly if it doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, if I were a player in the NBA with power, I probably would use it, which is what Jimmy Butler did. Well, he was ahead of his time because I'm now there with Carl. I, I was on Twitter last night saying, uh, at all means, he's got to go. He's the only semi-tradable asset that you have that you even want to get rid of because nobody's going to take Gobert. And I think if you take him, you, you eloquently said uh, about two months ago, he, he owns the top of the key, which kind of locks everything up because that, that other big guy kind of roams the top of the key area and uh, makes it hard for Anthony Edwards to do his thing and get into the paint. Uh, especially with Gobert kind of hanging out and bringing another guy down there. So I, I firmly believe that he's the piece that has to go this year if the T-Wolves are going to move forward. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Butler, to his credit, he saw it before all of us that you can't win with Carl. Obviously, the T-Wolves agree about Wiggins. They moved on from him and, uh, well, had to move on from him. And then you and I agreed with D'Lo. And now look at D'Lo. Although, yeah. with the Lakers, still, anybody watches yeah. – Schroeder gets the clutch minutes. Yeah, yeah. Schroeder is their guy that kind of they know. And you know who else is not playing at all? Beasley. He can't even get off the bench anymore, Todd. Yeah. Yeah, Beasley was a role player. You know, you talk about uh, D'Lo, and and he looks like the same player to me. They just have more talent uh, with the Lakers, so it covers up some of D'Lo's flaws. When you have Anthony Davis patrolling the lane, when Davis is motivated and ready to play, in my mind, he's still a top five player in the entire league. Uh, when that guy is is healthy and, and playing hard and wanting to play and not load managing uh, every other game, uh, he, he's still as tough as it gets. Uh, he had a game, uh, you know, in their just completed series where he flies around to the lane. He can't even get to the basket. Uh, you know, that, that guy has really had a terrific playoff series. They're playing well. I, I don't think that Denver's going to win in four. No, I mean, I, this is going to be a six or a seven game series. It's just uh, Vanderbilt's found a nice role. Reeves is playing incredibly well. Schroeder does his thing. He gets in people's face. LeBron is still LeBron. And then you got, yeah, Davis is the best player on that team. So, yeah, D'Lo being a role player is a nice thing. Yeah. You know, his comments, I feel like I was limited here in Minnesota. Yeah, well, well, you're limited now, big guy. What's he going to say? You know, yeah, I mean, right, exactly. Yeah. You're even more limited, and guess what? That's where you are the rest of your career. Yeah. Hey, You're going to be a role player and limited. Yeah, he's gonna he's bounced around. He's he's not somebody that you build around, certainly, that's for sure. Hey, uh, the PGA Championship is this week. I'm excited to see there's 18 live players in there. That adds something to it. You know, in the Masters, they had the largest ratings they've had going back to Tiger's heyday uh, for the Masters. In large part, I believe because now you have a villain you have
have somebody to root against. Normally yeah. in golf, we don't root against guys in golf. You know, there is no villain or anything. And I'm not rooting against the live guys. I just find it really fascinating that those guys are competing against each other. If the live players can again uh, show as well as they did in the Masters, it's going to be, again, a lot of fun on Sunday at the PGA. Now, explain why these guys are banned from the PGA Tour, but yet are allowed to play in the PGA Championship. Okay, because um, the main, the biggest reason is because the four majors are not controlled by the PGA Tour. Each entity is their own. Augusta controls their tournament. The USGA controls the U.S. Open. My organization, the PGA of America, owns this championship, the PGA Championship. And then the British Open is, I think it's run by the Royal and Ancient, or something like some some one of those entities. So they can make up their own criteria, their own rules. Now, unfortunately, my group, the PGA of America, we're kind of we're kind of followers right now. Huh. We're watching what the other majors do, and we were one of the last to kind of say, "Yeah, we'll welcome these guys this past championship." Because, as many of you know, the suspension that was served by Mickelson last year um, was upheld by these other entities. The PGA Championship basically told him, we don't want you here, more or less. But because they're controlled not by the PGA Tour themselves, they can do their own thing. Wisely, Todd, because you just said it perfectly, <clears throat> wisely they all said, why wouldn't we want have them play? We right. want the best field. These are the majors. It makes no sense. Now, sadly, because of there's no world ranking points for these live guys, yep. they're, they're going to consistently fall out of, of the – exemption list because yep. you need points unless you won a tournament like Mickelson or Cam Smith. These guys are set for a while or mm -hmm. DJ, but I'm hoping that that's corrected Todd and that people who still grumble about this three round versus four round thing, um, obviously, um, have no clue that tournament golf is tournament golf. There's a lot of events. The LPGA tour had three round events forever. Yeah. Were they not legit tour? Yep. And again, any range shortened event, you can go down to 36 holes on the PJ Tour and it'd be deemed a sanctioned event. Yep. So, and that has happened if they had a lot of rain or some things of like that sure. that made it difficult. But, Todd, having this kind of field, 99 of the top 100 players in the world are playing at Oak Hill. How good is that? Yeah, it's going to be a terrific event in 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 no small part because they're allowing the live players uh, to play in that. And I hope they can get this resolved. But I, I hear nothing on that front in terms of the PGA Tour softening their stance at all or the DP World Tour softening their stance at all toward the live players. Live hasn't won enough in court to make that happen. I think they have like they're like one and six in court cases or something like yeah. that. So they just haven't been able to win. Had they won more court cases, we might see more pressure on the OWGR to start giving them points for their events. But since they keep losing in court, I don't think the World Golf Rankings is going to change. I think they're going to continue to take their cues from the PGA Tour, uh, who has done all they can uh, to uh, sabotage the, the live tour. 
and has done a bunch of things in reaction to uh, the Live Tour that Phil Mickelson said was going on the whole time. Like, there's there's a lot more money that the PGA Tour could be giving out to the players. We saw that. And then Tiger and Rory come up with a team format that's going to be played uh, during events some, and, and that's straight from, from the Live Tour. I wish that Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour leadership had been proactive instead of reactive we might not even have a live tour now, but we might have all of those guys a little happier uh, uh, by staying on the on the PGA Tour, and, you know, that didn't happen. No, but, again, Todd, this isn't bad. It's like a new golf course coming to town, right, yeah. that's, that, that's built, you know, that everybody's like, oh, no, more competition. Well, guess what? There's plenty of, plenty of this to go around. Just run your own business well. Don't overreact, and that's what I think the PGA Tour did. They've yeah. overreacted this they have basically told they could have had these guys play five six seven events magnified their top events by bringing live because you said it best and nobody wants to talk about this other than the other than you and i of they're they're villains they're enemies you need that in sport yeah you people you still see on twitter people are just adamant they just hate live guys i have fellow professionals in the business that hate live and i chuckle and laugh because i'm sitting here going that's good for the sport. It is. Because now you're against them as much as you cheer for, you know, the guys that you like. And you're right. Golf was always this gentleman. Yep. Um, we always, you know, somebody makes a birdie, you say, oh, well done, even though in your heart you said, crap. Yeah. The guy's birdie on me, right? Yeah. And so it's just, it's just so good, Todd. It's so fun. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. I mean, I don't care if Scotty Scheffler or Brooks Kepka wins. I right. really don't. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter to me, but some people do care because yeah. of the little PGA Tour thing, and it's going to be. I, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the golf course, Todd, but um, I think they have three par fours measured over 500 yards. Wow. Two par fives over 615, uh, and I think they only have two par fives. I think it's par 70, and then of course a couple par threes in the 230 range. Now they don't play them there all every day, but. The length of these things is just getting comical. Where are they and playing? Oak Hill. Okay. Out in Rochester, New York. Yep. Well, are you in favor of them limiting the, the how far the ball can fly for the PGA no. Tour pros? Do this. Again, do, do what they're doing. Find golf courses that can stretch to 75. If you want to make it tougher, grow the rough. These guys obviously can't control the ball out of the rough. Everybody knows that if it's grown properly. If you cut it down to two inches, yeah, of course they can hit it out of there with some spin. Grow your rough out. Make it difficult. Have patchy lice. I've heard this said well, too. If everything's so perfectly manicured, of course they can have some patchy lice. You and I both know if your ball's sitting on a dead patch and there's grass all around it, we're in trouble. Yeah. We 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 putt those, Todd. Yeah. You know, we can because we're like, well, I'm going to hit that chunk of grass. It ain't going to go anywhere. So, <laughs> So don't be so agronomically perfect to make it easy for these guys. And don't worry about the golf ball, the amateur, or even us professionals at my level. Mm. We don't, we're, I'm losing distance every year. Yeah. I don't need any more distance lost. And so then you come up with this, it's gotta be by, by purified, which means that there's a rule for the tour and then a rule for the rest of us. Well, that isn't, we don't want that. All right, very good. I I would be fine with different rules for tour players than than for the amateur or uh, the uh, uh, club professionals. Uh, I'd be fine with that, but uh, you wouldn't want a different set of rules. I understand that uh, that part of it too. Uh, well, uh, Greg, we're all out of time. I appreciate it. Uh, have a great day. 
Hey, have a fun one, Todd. Talk to you soon. Greg Snow, of, uh, along with us here on the Todd and Friends Podcast, it's brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends Podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.